0: Welcome to Life, Love, and Lessons, a safe space where we do all things with love and opulence. This podcast is for men and women of all ethnicities, experiences, opinions, life paths, and professional or rough backgrounds who are somehow involved in the space of dating or relationships, whether it's online or in person, or simply interested in love, spirituality, Living the good life, learning, or just here to be inspired, entertained, intrigued, or in tune with life's personal pleasures. Listen intently, open your mind, and vibe. Welcome to episode four, God is good, faith is the way. If you ask me what direction I was heading or which route I was taking, I'd have to go with faith. It's the only route I can fall or fail on and get back up feeling stronger and wiser. I love it here. I don't like to lose people's focus during a conversation with too many ums or uhs, so if my mental state last week interrupted our conversation, I do apologize. Speaking of last week, I mentioned money and finances, so I want to open up that dialogue. It's safe to say life and money are extremely close. Life is the parent and money is the oldest child, stepchild, middle child, baby of the family, friend or neighbor, depending on how you describe your relationship with money. Money also has a way of being important in the love chapter, which makes it a wealth of lessons. It's only right that we discuss it on Life, Love, and Lessons. For the sake of transparency and establishing trust while still respecting some boundaries, let's dive into my wallet. Wouldn't it be interesting if we opened our wallets up for discussion, to help guide, teach people the different financial circumstances one might encounter on this life journey? I'm an advocate for more honest money conversations, starting from childhood, And from all different perspectives, show the kids how to be financially stable and free before they acquire debt and become serial borrowers or submit to that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. It sounds stressful because it is. This seed has been in my hand for many years since before I started working with teenagers. I can't remember the first student of mine who brought it up, but I do remember it was more than I can count. And everyone was always on the same page when it came to my wallet. The kids said, Miss A, you drive a Maserati, don't you? And things like, I know you have a lot of money. Your house must be dope. It is, isn't it? This has been going on for years to include family members and some friends and associated acquaintances casually asking me for money with that matter of fact tone to imply that it's an automatic that I have it or that I have it to loan. What does a matter of fact tone sound like? It's asking directly for something and maybe including why you need it or what it's for and when you'll give it back in one sentence without a genuine greeting or concern for the person or lender's well-being, financial state, or current circumstances. Example, you might haven't talked to a person in weeks or months and then one day you need something and you think of them and then you send a random text to that person, someone you know, and it goes something like, can I borrow $100 for my phone bill? I'll pay you back next week when I get paid. You didn't ask if they had it, if they needed anything. You didn't ask if they were comfortable or where you or where they wanted to be financially. You know, and I doubt it's a lack of concern or a care, you know, a lack of concern or lack of caring for somebody's well-being or financial or mental state. Maybe if that happened to you, the person that did it, they just trust that you got it because you appear to have it like that. Remember, we, we do all things with love here. I won't say they don't care or they're selfish because from the lenses of love, they just believe you're good and see you as a supportive person during their time of need with no ill intent. It's not always easy to deliver compassion, empathy or concern when you're going through your own higher time of life. I've also had people tell me they don't believe I need to borrow any money or that I don't have any money of my own after I personally and directly asked for it. They were likely correct because I'd be playing sometimes, but that isn't the point. I thought, how interesting. I've never told you I was a millionaire, a baller, or debt-free. Why do you think that I don't need to borrow money? And a friend said, because it's you. I know you got it. The other day, one of my students reached out to me and said, how can I live like you? Do I need to join the military to be able to afford a life like yours? Because your life just look and seems so beautiful. And I just I just want to live like that. And it's really hard out here. So with all this confidence and faith in my wallet, it makes me reflect on my upbringing and how things got like this. So let's take it back. Let's talk about how I got it. I don't remember any major conversations or discussions about money during my childhood, except for one. And it wasn't really about money. I came home from elementary school one weekday afternoon to find my mother crying and cutting up credit cards. Like I was wired to feel her pain, I immediately knelt down beside her and started crying with her, asking, Mom, what's wrong? Between sobbing and cutting credit cards, she explained to me that she was going through a hard time and that she needed to get rid of the credit cards so she didn't allow them to take over her life. I don't remember her exact words, but the moment stayed with me. She gave me a brief synopsis of credit bureaus and borrowing money. I was a child. In that moment, I learned not to let credit cards control me or my finances and borrowing money from people was not a good habit to take on. My childhood was rather comfortable, if you ask me. I didn't want for much, if anything at all. I traveled the world. We always had nice cars and nice things. However, my mom never owned a home or purchased any land or invested anything besides my mental state. I remember men giving my mom money, and I was really smart, so I knew it was their way of trying to charm her or get into our lives. My mom was really attractive. And they saw she had a daughter who was really smart, and they wanted to invest. My mom was no fool. She was the first player I ever had to play of watching. Don't tell her I told you. On top of just being given things before I could ask for them and not seeing any real issue with money, I never really thought about money as a child. If you haven't gathered by now, my mom was a single mother, and my birth father only contributed sperm to my cause. Hey, don't go thinking he's a bad guy. He's a product of his own upbringing and we will not judge him for his lack of parenting because what good does that do? None. And we're here to do good. My mother was an entrepreneur my entire childhood. I knew exactly what that life looked like and I didn't want anything to do with it. I saw my mom had a choice of whether she wanted to get up and go to work and if she didn't get up and go to work for herself, she didn't get paid. I was like, nah, I need sick days, paid time off, retirement contributions, and accountability. So as a child, even when I pondered my career choice, it was never about money. It was about the benefits, the luxuries of relaxing, you know, freedom. Then one day I was a teenager, age 13. I came home from school all calm and grateful for my lack of responsibility in the world and money knocked on the door. Money had audacity like no other. I don't have enough time to break down all the ways money showed up during my last few years of high school. But just know, I moved out of my mother's home at the age of 14 and I haven't lived with her since. Long story short, the village raised me. My godmothers, fathers, cousins, sisters, brothers, and everybody else deserved the world for the generosity of my life. I started working when I was 14 years old. And that was the beginning of my riches. A hey, shout out to Blockbuster, Taco Bell, McDonald's, newspaper factories, car factories, FedEx, Express, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, BCBG MaxxAzer, and whatever other company I work for to help me build my relationship with money over the beginning years of my independence. While my mother was extremely thoughtful and giving when it came to my early childhood, and, and pouring or filling up my mental with these life skills, knowledge, and self-love. She forgot to give me the book on money and investing. No, seriously, she forgot. She still has the book and recently found it and called me to say, Alante, remember that book I told you that I bought for you when you were a kid to teach you about money because I didn't know much? I still have it. I guess I forgot to give it to you. But I just found it and I've never read it because it was for you. And she called me to say that because, you know, I called my mom in my adult life later in my 20s and said something like, why didn't you tell me about all these different money opportunities? You know, it's a whole movement called financial independence. I'm trying to join the movement and I can't help but wonder why I didn't join it sooner. That's how she ended up telling me that she gave me a book about it. And I was like, no, girl, you didn't. You know, I've never skipped an opportunity to read or learn. I never got that. book. So here we are in my adult life. I've been dancing with money and we love each other dearly. I can't really sit here or stand anywhere and say I've had to work really hard to get to where I am financially. Because truth be told, it's been a very romantic journey. Before I knew about investing, IRAs, stocks and bonds, all my money went to nice things. I mean, I've always enjoyed the finer things in life. I give credit to my childhood for that one. My mother was fancy, and she traveled with me every chance she got, bought me shoes and clothes just because, and told me that there was nothing in this world that I couldn't have. I hung on every word. So everything I've ever wanted, I've purchased. I've traveled the world, bought luxury shoes, bags, and clothes at full price and decked my homes with the finest of decor, bought my dream car, and if you're paying attention, you know that I was raised to live this way. I was not raised to live beneath my means, to be cheap, to sit still, to invest my money, to buy property, or become a millionaire. It wasn't until my late 20s when I learned that you can be an entrepreneur and still have benefits and sick days and accountability. It wasn't a bad path for me to live the way that I've been living. I've always lived well. My mother stopped taking care of me in my early years, so I learned how to hustle early. Relax. We love my mother. She raised me fast and with love because she had a lot going on, and hopefully I have the opportunity to interview her on this show one day so she can tell you her side of this fairy tale. Its circumstances were different, and I had the luxury of staying home until I was 18, or even having a home to go back to. I might not have had the pleasure of meeting this version of myself who hustles and works harder than most. Mom was clever. She gave me the world then took it from me and told me to go get it for myself. I said, say less. And that's how I evolved into this version of me. I've always been intelligent. So my money hustle always involves saving money and living a good life. I was never six-figure rich in my bank account, but I felt rich, looked rich, and lived rich. I used to call my mother and ask her why people always came to me for money. And why why did they always assume that I had it? And why did people treat me the way that they did? Bless her heart. She told me that it was expected. She told me that I look like money. I'm attracted like money, and people get that good feeling with me like they're rich with money. Basically. I am the vibe. Do you hear the confidence in my voice? See it in the way I carry myself, speak to people, and live my life? I got it from my mama, So I've always had it, until I didn't have it. I've been independent since I was 14, so I've had my share of financial setbacks. The biggest one was taking out loans for those three educational degrees I've acquired. I didn't care about debt or know about financial freedom at that time. I forgive myself. But being without money didn't really touch my soul until I emptied my first real investment account. And I started that when I joined the military and invested heavily in it during my 2013 deployment. I was kind of sad when I came home from Afghanistan and I couldn't find my spirit in Michigan. So I quit my job, emptied my only investment account, and drove to California to start a new life. That was broke for me. I might've had thousands of dollars in my pocket, but I had nothing saved or growing interest. And that's my definition of broke. I was living off of all my money in one of the most expensive states to be in. In case you're wondering, I moved to California in 2015 for the ocean, the trees and the weather. My spirit needed to be there. That was the first time in my life I felt real fear in relation to money. I even went to the dealership to discuss selling my car back because I wasn't sure if I could continue to afford it at that time. It's important to note, I was not afraid that I couldn't afford it altogether. I just didn't have a job at the time and I didn't have any income coming in and was living off of my savings. So I was thinking and planning for a temporary rough patch. I wasn't looking for a job at the time because I didn't have an address and I knew I was going to be living off of my savings savings, and only spending for a while. So, you know, I was trying to get settled into this new place and trying to prepare for being broke. I even called my biological father and asked him for money. He sent me a couple dollars for food. Bless his heart. Listen, I couldn't see myself driving any other car. The car I had was what I wanted and what I deserved. I never did sell my car back. I ended up getting a cheap starter place two miles away from the ocean and finding two jobs to get me started. I worked at Check and Go and Loft. By the way, I didn't transfer my retail job from Michigan because I said I would never work for retail again after I left Michigan. I lied. That was a humbling moment for me. I went right to the mall and got myself a job because if you see my resume, you know that I know retail and no store in the mall mall is going to deny my employment. You got to love those life humbling moments when your pride gets in the way or you feel like you're not going to do something or you say like, I'm not doing this no more. And life be like, yes, you is. That's exactly what you're going to do. Got to love it. Speaking of love, I can remember being fresh in California and wanting to meet new people. And it's natural for me to think of males as new people because I have a lot of female friends and females always gravitate to each other in certain settings. And I had no problem in that area. Males can be a little bit difficult to connect with on a friend level. I wanted male friends that were only friends, which was how I started my online dating app journey. I have not changed since I was a child or a teenager, and I can only admit to intense growth and extreme layers of evolving over the years that have resulted in who you meet today. So I've always held myself and others to a certain standard. When men wanted to date me in those first few months of me being homeless and unemployed in California, I would say, oh, I'm homeless and unemployed right now. Just moved here. Still finding my way. Not really in a position to be dating but I love to be friends. I love their generosity. I had men offer me their homes, offer me legit jobs, offer me garages for storage because I was sleeping and living out of my car, which was full of clothes and starred belongings. It was love. Love is kind. I didn't accept any of it. However, it was kind. And I will never forget that. There was this guy. I love him. He wanted to take care of me so bad. He did desire a relationship with me later on, but in the beginning, the first three or four years of knowing each other, I had never physically met this man. A lot of men knew, knew of me from the dating apps, but got comfortable with my vibe through Snapchat. That was my favorite social media app during that phase of my journey, and they learned about me from what I shared at that time, and they would, many of them would reach out to give me love. I know I've just taken you back to 2015, but trust me, hindsight is 2020. Watch how beautiful this unfolds. The man would just watch me, send me messages on Snapchat every single morning wishing me a great day. He would send me compliments, send me Groupon deals like spa dates for me and my girls, send me money for my nails and gas. I had to go get a P.O. box for this man because he wanted to send me shoes. He didn't want to meet me in person. He didn't want to see me at this time because he was going through some things. He felt like he needed to be in a certain place mentally, spiritually, and financially before he physically met me. Until until he got there, though, he wanted to consistently remind me that he loved me and he wanted to give me the world one day. We lived in the same state, same city. We were not far from each other all those years. By the way, I told him in the first week that we began communicating that I was not interested or attracted to him. He didn't like that. But he said, even though I wasn't attracted to him, that that didn't mean that he didn't love me. He couldn't stop himself. The man would just shower me with love in all forms like affirmations, acts of service, gifts. And he knew he would never get physical touch and quality time would come with boundaries. Later, in the fourth year, I finally met him in person because I needed help moving and he was available to help. He moved my entire apartment while I was at work one day. And came back that day to leave me a bunch of groceries, gift cards, toiletries and self-care essentials at my door. I was home when he did it, but he did not. He just reached out on Snapchat, sent me a message and told me to open my door when I could because he left me something. I wonder what you're thinking right now. What do you think or have to say about this man? I had people tell me to be careful with him because he might be crazy or have some harmful intentions, and that baffled me. Do you know what I did for him during all those years? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't necessarily need anything he gave me all those years until the day he helped me move. He wouldn't let me meet him or treat him to dinner or anything like that. However, he did reach out to me daily about different things, and I did respond to him daily. I think he needed a friend at that time. He needed God to answer his prayers, and there was something about the way that I spoke to him or the way that I showed up that gave him some of what he needed. And he was thanking me all of those years for my time and my attention and my guidance by doing what he could. People need people. I know I say that all the time, but it's because I really want you to feel it and understand it. Eventually, he did let me treat him to breakfast one morning. I had to beg. He's still around somewhere in California, and I know that life is still not where he wants it to be because I haven't heard from him in months. I'm not very active on Snapchat anymore, but he has my email. He reached out to me last week and asked me to borrow money. He didn't ask for a lot of money at all. His request came in the form of love and genuine care for my well-being before he asked. And when he asked, he implied that he would only borrow if I allow him to pay me back with interest. I didn't really have it. My wallet right now is compromised. And at this time, I have way too much debt that I've acquired this year. Because I was consumer debt free January 1st, 2020. I've been living off of financial blessings since February. This is another humbling moment for me. I honestly have received that account overdrawn email too many times in the last six months. I had to think deeply for all of one second before I sent him the money he asked for. I honestly don't care if he pays it back or not. Yes, I needed that little bit of money I loaned to him because I owe it to somebody else. But if it's one thing I've learned over the years about him in reference to me, he does not want to ask me for money. Or take anything from me. He wants me to see him as a provider. It had to be hard for him to receive all the no's that led him to my email. So yes, I loaned him the money. I didn't ask him any questions and I didn't write a reminder on my planner on the date that he's supposed to pay me back. And I didn't lose a dime by giving him that money. He was my friend for many years. And any way that I can help him, I will. Because that's what friends do. That's the beauty. The fact that this email brought back all the love that he gave me far exceeded what he asked me for. And I'm happy to give him the little bit of money because in a nostalgic kind of way, he was helping me when he asked. I spoke him up. I just received a cash app notification that he sent me my money back. That's love. Do you have time for these lessons? I talked so much about having my shit together. And living well and doing well and being held to a certain standard, how did I get here? I am responsible for this setback. The financial choices that I made in 2018 resulted in the last year and a half struggle. I knew better. I made several conscious decisions that got me here. I saw this coming. I'm a planner. I'm very organized, and my mental capacity holds millionaire ideas and knowledge. I had a choice. I could accept a job offer with the agency that I have been working for, which which was my dream job for a new job. Or I could keep this. If I kept my dream job, it would require me to become a contractor and pay my own taxes, which would likely not not get paid and result in me owing the IRS a lot of money. But I would still have my creative freedom and do what I love and travel the world. Or I could get a new job that will force me to be more restricted with my travels, likely pay less money. And how to learn a new role. I did what I always do. Exactly what I wanted. I figured it would be a new hurdle to jump. But nothing I couldn't handle. I took 12 vacations in 2018. I kept my job. Became a contractor. And when financial decisions needed to be made. I made choices that served my comfort. Instead of my future financial stability. I knew better. I chose not to do better. I did not have a partner or person to talk to or talk, talk me into doing what I knew was right. If I was in the mood to do better at that time, I would have at least took less vacations or moved into a cheaper place. My rent in California was about $3,000. After all my bills were paid for a month, I was spending about $4,000 a month in bills. And I was comfortable with that. I was happy and life was good. I could afford it. And I knew it was temporary to live that apartment, luxury apartment living before I, you know, owned a home someday and maybe moved closer to my family. So I wanted to enjoy it while I was there. I've always been the type of person to just live life on my terms. I don't want to look back over my life and regret regret moments that I restricted myself from enjoying the beauty of life. I'm committed to good vibes and good memories, and I'm taking them with me everywhere I go. I could have moved into a smaller place. I could have gotten a less luxurious place to save money. I could have paid my taxes early or quarterly like I was supposed to. It's simple. I didn't want to. When the IRS told me I needed to pay them over $10,000 in 2019, I was not surprised. And I had the money available in my regular checking account, but I had other plans for that money. I intentionally struggled at first, but after a while, it became more than I signed up for. And a little before all of that, I had learned about financial independence. When I learned about aggressively investing stocks, portfolios, IRAs, and diversifying, I made a new choice. I was going to focus all of my efforts on getting out of debt and staying out of debt, including my student loans. Everything was happening really fast. And I got on a payment plan with the IRS and started paying them off, which was supposed to take my payments into 2020. Then I had to quit my dream job that afforded me the many opportunities that I had just to go do a military training that was required of me. If I didn't go do the military training when I did, my time would expire and the military would flag me for removal. I love my role in the military as much as I love my role in the community. So I was preparing to take a major pay cut to fulfill my military obligations. When I took the pay cut, I was blessed and someone moved into my apartment to help me with the rent while I was away training. I needed that help so I was extremely grateful and because of that, I was able to pay the IRS off with the money I made with the military at the end of 2019. Not only did I pay the IRS, I paid off my credit card, the IRS, my Apple watch, my cell phone, Cancel iTunes and Hulu and every other subscription I had, except for Amazon Prime. (laughs) I even made extra payments on Sally Mae when she was already taking automatic payments out every month. I I wanted to really be able to say I was on my way to financial independence. I was serious. I got a financial advisor, started a Roth IRA, made some changes in the way I paid my car note started carpooling to save gas, didn't eat out, didn't go shopping. I spent the last four months of 2019 in Oklahoma and Texas working with the military and focusing on my finances. I read about 20 books on money, investing, joined financial independence accountability groups, and really started shifting my mind and doing the work. At the end of 2019, I, I emptied my emergency savings. Just to really pay off all of my debt so that I can go into 2020 with no debt. My 2020 plan was to build my savings back up and not pay rent while I traveled the world. And my work money would go towards saving and investing. I knew that I needed a job for when I would start working after getting back to California. So I started doing my job search. I was already a substitute teacher on my free time, so I would do that until I found another job. And I actually got hired to work as a behavior health specialist for children with autism. And that job would begin as soon as I returned, it, returned to California. The person that was staying in my place while I was gone stayed one extra month after my return home to help me. It was also a really hard place to leave. My lease was ending early in March around my birthday and right before I had to leave the military again and before my 2020 travel excursions began. All of my travels were paid for six to 12 months in advance. So even when my accounts were depleted to pay off debt coming into 2020, I had travel plans to look forward to. I had to start paying my rent again in January 2020, and I did not have a job that paid me enough to pay rent. And all of my bills and feed me and continue to give me the lifestyle that I was used to living. So I agreed to take on more responsibility with the military, which required me to go to Washington and Iowa. So I wasn't home much at the beginning of 2020. Even the military didn't pay me that well. Well, or the way that I was used to, but it was more make working for the military than it was for, for me to be teaching and working as a behavior health specialist at the time and I needed money fast. Every job I had paid like once a month or at the end of the month. And I needed money sooner than that. Then all four of my tires needed to be replaced. And my car got towed. I needed to renew my registration. And many more financial burdens presented themselves early this year. Back to back. But I was humbled the first time I had to ask a friend to borrow money to pay my rent. I've always been open, transparent and able to share my experiences in real time with people so everyone knew I was going through something and needed money fast to get by. But not many people were thinking that I needed money to pay my rent. And not many people were able to pay my rent with no if, with no intentions on getting it back. I have a lot of amazing friends who are financially stable and not worried about money and can loan me money if I ever need it. Birds of a feather flock together. They live well, too. But I was not comfortable asking for money. My friend said, Alante, you have 6,596 men in your inbox and DMs that want to be with you. You can't ask one of them for money? I'm sure they will be happy to give it to you. Mm, It's just something I never was comfortable doing. I never needed to or never wanted to to have to ask for money. I never had a problem making money having it or keeping it. I just didn't know how to ask for it and be serious about it. In February, 2020, I did not have my rent money. Although I was in Washington working with the military in January and I wouldn't get paid until the end of February and the way my life was set up, I would run into a few more financial setbacks by then that also required money that I didn't have. And I was just behind trying to play catch up Working as a teacher, working with kids with autism in the evenings, and picking up jobs at the military to make ends meet. I did ask one of my girlfriends to pay my rent, and she did it without hesitation. And told me not to worry about paying her back. She said she knew how hard it was for me to have to ask, and she admired my strength. During during the storm, And she saw me going through it and she saw the setbacks back to back, even though I was doing everything right and trying to get ahead. She said, girl, just keep doing what you're doing. Pay me back after you've paid your credit card off, fix your car, got you a new place and get your life back where you used to having it. Get comfortable again before you pay me back. I know you. If there's anybody in this world that can be trusted or who deserves who deserves this. I know it's you, and I know you'll make. I know you'll come back, and I know you'll make me make. I know you'll pay me back. Talk about real tears. She's a friend I had known, but five months at that time, we met working in Oklahoma. That was God. She's love. I needed her and everything she did and said in that moment because I was tired. I was losing my stamina. March came around and I had to spend my 30th birthday in this hard place. I was working in Iowa and receiving news of all of my travel plans being canceled and learning that no refunds would be given. I had moved all of my stuff into storage right before I went to Iowa because I was going to travel to Ghana and other places upon my return. I had a friend with a two-bedroom who was expecting me to move in with her in May after my travels so that I could help her with her rent, and so that I had a place that was cheaper than what I was used to paying. I think that friend ended up losing her place and her job due to the pandemic, so she had to move away from California back to her parents. And I was just there in California trying to figure out my next move, with the pandemic and no home to go to. I couldn't teach or work with the kids in the evening, and the travel gates were closed. Whatever money I made went into debt and bills. It helped that I didn't have my usual rent because I, I wouldn't have been able to pay it. I didn't plan to be homeless for a second time in California, but being homeless actually worked out for me. It was a blessing in disguise. I kept working with the military since my other jobs were closed down. And even though the money wasn't what I was used to, it was, it was exactly what I needed to do what I needed to do. When I realized that it just really wasn't what I was used to or not enough, if I felt like that, if I wasn't comfortable with what I was making, I decided to start selling my belongings, you know, to just get food and get gas. I signed up to drive for Uber, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. I have a lot of physical assets, great pieces of furniture, shoes and clothes, because that's always been my life. And that's what I'm used to. So that's what I stick with. I've never really been extremely attached. I can live without not having it all. Since since everything I own is really nice and valuable, I always just start selling stuff when I need extra money. It's only tough when three months later I'm in the mood for my favorite black boots and fancy sweater, and then I realize I don't have those items anymore. But it's all good. There's somebody else's favorite piece now. I adjust. True story. When I moved from Michigan to California, I was living with a close friend in a house in Detroit and I left all of my shoes in the basement because I owned like 100 pairs of shoes and I didn't want to fill my car up with shoes driving across country. When I went back to Michigan to get all of my shoes, they were gone. My friend that I was staying with let someone rent the house out while she was away living in another city and all of my shoes were left in the closet downstairs in the basement. That person that she rented the house out to stole my shoes before she moved out. That was a hard pill to swallow, but I refused to let my friend reimburse me for that loss because I learned the lesson. Material things can be taken from you at any moment. Don't get too attached. There were moments in April, May, and June 2020 that I wondered how a bill was going to be paid. I think I was even a bit, con- bit concerned about gas and food when I left California for my final trip to Texas. I had a little bit of money, but I am so serious about paying debt off and pay- keeping my bills paid that I didn't really have any money to eat with. I wasn't comfortable with the amount of money I had. I just wanted to get to Texas, get my new place and start working so I can pay off this debt. For the first time in my life, I skipped a bill payment. I swear to you, I have never missed a payment on anything. My credit is solid. In June, one of my credit card companies kept calling me and I just knew it was to update update me on a policy or something. And when a lady said I missed the payment, my heart stopped. I just don't live like that. I had to be out of my mind. I called my mom because I couldn't believe it. My mom has a great way of making me feel like I'm really special. She's like, Alonso, it's really okay. People do that all the time. You will pay it off. Nobody is as together as you are. It slipped your mind, but you got it. Something like that. And I calm myself down and, you know, I talk nice to myself. Try to be nice to my mental. It's been through some things. I downloaded the BLK app. My third day in Texas for two reasons. I was craving good conversation and good company from somebody who could just give me a mental break from what I was going through. And I put it out into the world that I was going to meet the love of my life this year and I will not be single on January 1st, 2021. I know me better than I know anybody. And with my current situation and state of mind, the love of my life would literally have to be my neighbor or co worker because I was not about to put myself out there for dating purposes because I was only interested in focusing on getting myself back to my comfort zone. And I've never been too fond of being distracted or not being my best self when I'm dating. So I decided to download the app and just be honest. My bio says something like, I wasn't looking for anything romantic or trying to meet to date. I was going through some things, and I only welcomed friends. Men here in Texas have been very understanding. I have met some great men who I look forward to meeting time and time again, and I must say, they make it hard for me to stand firm in my decision to not date at this time. I even had to delete the app because it was just so much love coming through. It's just me. I believe in reciprocation. I believe in the law of attraction. I believe it's only right for me to get into a car with a man if I'm ready for the ride. I'm kind of apprehensive with dating at this time because I don't know how I can ask for a man to be financially stable, be a provider, be well off and in a place where money isn't a concern if I'm not in the same place. Before this year, it's the only place I hung out at. This year, though, (laughs) I have to get back to that spot and make some money moves to ensure I never get back here again. By the way, I'm not broke. I still have multiple investment accounts and even when I have no money to eat, I deposit money into my Roth IRA every month. That means when I owe money or have a large debt, I can't stop thinking about it and I'd rather spend my money getting out of debt and and snack on crackers and noodles. Don't worry, I'm eating. I have a kitchen full of healthy food right now. I'm just telling you what it's like for me when my money isn't right. If I was a younger version of myself, I would empty out one of those investment accounts and quickly get myself back to a financially stable place, furnish my apartment, pay off that credit card, pay off a few loans with Sally Mae, pay my car off probably, and just start over. I just don't want to take the easy route. I don't want to empty my investment accounts to have to start back over with that. I just did my 2019 taxes and, I'm def- and I've definitely been tempted to take the money out of somewhere and pay the IRS at least. But I know that if I do that, it's a quick fix and the lesson might get lost. I'm choosing to be in this uncomfortable space right now. Kind of living paycheck to paycheck and still living this luxury comfort kind of life that I don't know how to separate myself from. I needed to be here because how can I really help or advise someone else in this similar situation if I haven't been here and lived it for myself at some point? This is a time of learning and unlearning for me. I'm going through this so I can learn a lesson to help somebody else. My reasons for living in an expensive apartment and buying nice furniture and doing all these nice, lavish things are just habit. My reason for not taking money out of one of my accounts is so I don't get comfortable so quick. I make very little money here in Texas compared to what I made in California, and I'm learning how to live on less for a while. I don't have to and I don't want to, but I need to. I've already made my life harder than it had to be by choosing to live in a smart home with palm trees in Texas instead of paying $500 to $1,000 less by living next door or a few miles away in a place that's not really my style, but way more affordable. I plan to buy a home next year, and I honestly might change my plans just to do something less like me. I might go live in a $600 apartment for a year before I buy a house. You know what? That sounds scary. I would much rather meet my husband. You know what? Yeah, let me just meet my husband, buy a house, and live happily ever after. Dear husband, this would be perfect timing. Come sweep me off my feet. (laughs) I have so many jokes right now that just came to my mind, but I want to respond to my student who asked me how she can live like me. Truth is, you have to have a vision. When you decide what you want for yourself, what your life looks like, and how you desire to live, start acting in that capacity. Dress like you live that life. Talk and walk like you live that life. And think to yourself and out loud about how good that life is that you desire. And as you think about it, work towards it. Small steps or tiny steps can be applying somewhere, filling out the application, going to the event, launching the video. Talking to the right person, forgiving someone, apologizing to someone, getting away from negative energy, changing your environment or letting go of what's holding you back. Whatever the work is, do it with your manifestation skills and watch yourself grow wings. At least that's what I did. Thank you all for being so curious and emptying all of my pockets of my wallet with me. Make sure you check out the notes for some investment resources and come back next week as we wrap up our first full month and last Sunday in July with one of my favorite topics, small talk versus conversation. You know how I feel about you. Thank you, beautiful people. Be blessed. With love, gratitude, and opulence, I thank you so much for your time, your ears, and your mind. Please send any topic suggestions via Instagram, email, and or reviews. Check the show notes for details. Share more love by recommending this podcast and or hitting subscribe. Peace and blessings. Until next time.